The Light FM presents Community Spotlight, a program designed to focus on what's important to you in your community. Now here's Braxton with today's Community Spotlight. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know that verse, Psalm 118, 24. Love it. And I want that to be my verse every day, to understand that God made this day, and I want to glorify and serve Him however I possibly can. And I hope that uh, this interview does that for you today, because we're talking part two of what does the Bible say about stress and anxiety? Man, there's a lot going on. So much is happening. It's so hard to process, and it's so easy to let it affect us and our emotions. That's why I've brought in the CEO and the teaching pastor of Living on the Edge. He's Chip Ingram, and he joins me now. Hey, Chip, how are you doing? Good morning. Great to be with you. So I think it's it's uh, important to first, Chip, understand and to know what these emotions are and what exactly they do to us. So uh, what can you share about stress and anxiety and what they are and where they and where they came from? Great question. Uh, let, let me give maybe three quick definitions. So that word has become almost a technical word or I feel anxious. Um, psychologically, from, the, from a psych textbook, anxiety uh, is the emotion characterized by unease, apprehension, dread, concern, tension, restlessness, and worry. The anxious individual often anticipates misfortune, danger, and doom. Anxiety is almost always a projection into the future of negative things that are going to happen. Uh, biblically, the word literally means not to be, ha- has the roots of a divided mind. Your mind is pulled in one direction and another direction at the same time. And it has the idea that of being mentally choked or strangled. And uh, the impact of anxiety, I mean, it's everything from, you know, we're anxious, we have butterflies in our stomach, to high blood pressure, to rapid heart rate. Uh, it, can, it can move to huge physiological, emotional depression, clinical depression. Uh, anxiety can have devastating impact in people's lives. And so, you know, the Bible speaks about an antidote to that. And ultimately, it's trusting God. But how do you do that and how it works is, I think, something really worth diving into. How has anxiety changed um, this year in particular with with COVID? You know, I think it's in general, it's changed in two or three ways. We've been doing some research recently. And with the advent of social media and um, the more sophisticated mobile devices, especially uh, in in girls 15 to 19, uh, suicide has skyrocketed. Hmm. Um, The anxiety levels across the board when people are isolated, like COVID-19, we have, most all of us have never experienced ever a situation that the entire world is experiencing. And then you add to that social unrest and economic uh, absolute uncertainty or the loss of a job, the death of family members, the fear of catching the disease, uh, a polarized nation when it comes to nearly every political issue. I mean, we, we are like in the perfect storm. If the goal was to make people anxious, uh, I think it would be hard to add anything to this soup to make it any worse in terms of a environment for anxiety. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what do you do with with anxiety, fear, stress, pretty much through the roof? Numbers are higher than ever. Uh, yeah. What What do you do? Um, what do you go from there? Well, I want to be careful that we don't give, you know, simplistic answers to really complex questions because there's a general anxiety and then there's some listening to us right now, Braxton, where, you know, they there's panic attacks, uh, there's physiological issues, and um, there's not some simple little, oh, this is the only thing to do. But the number one command in all of Scripture, repeated more than any other Old Testament and New Testament, is fear not. Every time an angel shows up to meet someone, <laughs> their first word is almost fear not. Yeah. Whether it's Joshua or Mary or Joseph or um, Daniel, fear not. Uh, whether it was the disciples in the boat, uh, situations, there's a reason that God says fear not. And almost always the reason for not fearing and, and fear and anxiety are, are, are kissing cousins. And, and the answer is for I am with you. In other words, the, the presence of God, uh, not just the, the theory or even the theological reality, but the actual experience of the presence of God is the number one antidote to anxiety. When it's like the when we're little kids and you know we have a bad dream or we're anxious or we think there's a monster under our bed, what do we all do? We got up and we ran and we got in bed with mommy or daddy <laughs> yep, or under mom. the covers. Yeah, and and there was something I still remember those even as a child or you know when our kids were small, and it is amazing. You know their heart is racing and they're fearful and they lay next to you. And in about, you know, 90 seconds to about four minutes, you can feel all their body functions begin to relax because they're safe now. And, and God wants us to know, I am here for you. And in Philippians chapter four, very common passage, he talks about, uh, I say it in a, in a simple way, when, when anxiety knocks at the door of your heart, let prayer answer it. But let me say that again. When anxiety, and in other words, you feel your heartbeat going up, you watch the news, or you, you see something that's deeply disturbing, or one of your friends, or you find out you have COVID-19, or thoughts are, are coming into your mind that, that are fearful and anxious, God says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then here's the promise. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, literally, it, it will act as an umpire or an arbitrator in your heart. And um, I don't know how deeply you want me to get into this, but when I've taught this in the past, I've had people come to me and say, well, I'm anxious and I pray. And the way some people pray when they're anxious is, Lord, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm afraid. Well, what am I going to do? This is so terrible. Oh, please help me. I don't, you know, and what they do is they just rehearse out loud before God all the issues that they struggle with. Yeah. When in fact, it's so interesting. The Apostle Paul is going to use four different words for prayer. And the first word says, okay, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer. And the first word is a pause an upward focus, adoration, who is God? Remembering who God is. 
And then he says with petition, that's the most common word, and it means to come then with your sense of need. And that's where you go from worshiping God first. You are all knowing. You're all powerful. You're, you saved me. You loved me. You prepared a place for me. You, you know all things. And then the second word petition has embedded in it the sense of I am absolutely helpless in and of myself. It brings you to a point of dependence. God, I can't solve this. I'm in need. It's this idea where you let go of control of I'm going to fix this. I'm going to. And then the, the third word is with thanksgiving. And so not that you feel thankful, but you choose, God, I thank you that regardless of what happens, you're with me. Mm -hmm. I thank you that the worst that can happen, you promise that you'll use it for good some way, sometime. Lord, I thank you that there's more uh, to life than just right now and that you're for me and you've made promises. And then the very last word is, is interesting. It, it's basically a word that means bring your specific grocery list to God. In other words, what do you actually want? Lord, will you calm my heart and my fears? Lord, will you protect me specifically from COVID? Lord, I don't have a job. Will you specifically give me a job that will provide for my family? And so when you walk through uh, that type of prayer, where it's a high view of God, a recognition that you can't solve it, a giving of thanks and then a bringing of your specific things. In my journal, when I, you know, I feel anxious like everyone else. And, you know, what about this? And what about that? And, you know, are we going to be able to pay our employees? Or mm -hmm. how many of our employees or family members have got COVID? And what are we going to do? And what about the future? And, you know, I, you know I, I, I do this in my journal and I write it out, Braxton. And then when I get to, then I'll put a little box. I take my deepest anxious concerns and I turn them into prayer requests. Lord, I am fearful and anxious that my wife is going to get it. She was really sick the last two days. This mm -hmm. isn't hypothetical. Mm. Does she have COVID or not? Will you please heal her body and protect her? And then I put mm. a little box. The next one, Lord, you know how I want to fix it and take control and the thoughts and fears that are going through my mind. I'm asking you right now to give me your perspective on this. And I put a little box. Uh, Lord, you know uh, the challenges that we're facing at living on the edge and the opportunities i'm going to be recording you know all these videos this week i desperately need your help and i put a little box and i have a journal that's filled with little boxes with check marks and dates that when i get really anxious i go back and i think wow you know we went through cancer together god delivered boy i remember when one of my kids went through this horrendous time god delivered Wow, I can remember when we couldn't even pay a bill and God delivered, or we actually made some major changes to our lifestyle. So, you know, I, I think it's it's drawing near to God, but it's not kind of, there's not this little magic bullet. I think you, you enter into a process where your mind and your heart gets aligned. Yeah. Talking with Chip Ingram, the CEO and the teaching pastor of Living on the Edge, you can also find him on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. On Twitter, it's Chip Ingram. Instagram, Chip underscore Ingram. And then on Facebook, it's L-O-T-E, Living on the Edge, L-O-T-E Community. That's on Facebook. Chip, I was going to ask you about if you could share a time where you know, you've really had to trust in the Lord with stress or anxiety, and you've kind of done that, and you're kind of going through it right now. Um, but, uh, but I think it, what I'm learning here is it's, 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 it's a daily 
uh, step-by-step process that you draw near to God, He draws near to you, um, but but with every single fear that comes along the road, it's it's it, God humbles you and puts you in a place of need, right? I think that's really true, and I think what I've learned over the years is, I mean, when you ask me, how, when have you dealt with anxiety? Well, what time yesterday, and was it a little one or a big one, or, you know, a month ago, or uh, my wife had cancer about nine years ago, and we went through some really heavy things. Uh, we, we, we've had times where had kids in ICU and wondered, you know, are they going to live? Are they going to make it? And, and honestly, there's times where sometimes the biggest things you quickly, when it goes from difficult to impossible, it, it actually is a little easier because you, you got to take your hands off the steering wheel. You right. realize I can't solve this. Yeah. But I think in the everyday, I think one of the things that we don't realize is how much anxiety we bring on ourselves. Um, as as we quote Philippians four, six, and seven, I can at least hear, you know, some fellow believers that have been in the faith for a long time going, "Hey, you know, thanks. Wow, I listened to this podcast. I was hoping I was going to get something fresh and new." You know, I, I, there's probably a lot of people that have that memorized. Yeah. I think what we fail to follow up in the very next verse says, finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute. If there's anything excellence of anything worthy of praise, let your mind and the word is dwell. And it's a very interesting word. It's an accounting term. It's in other words, you would think slowly ponder, let your mind dwell on these things. And then notice the promise, the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these. And then notice the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God comes when we pray, when anxiety knocks on the door. And then he says, you're always the product of your thinking. Uh, If people watch a lot of the news, if people spend a lot of time on social media, here's the guarantee, you will be anxious because your mind is made by God to respond to and your worldview is going to be determined by what you allow to go into your mind. So I'm not saying that we should never go on social media or you should never be aware of what's going on. But the more time, I mean, how many times do you need to see a video clip? And what we know with absolute certainty is the news media's over the years and even more now than ever before, the more sensational, the more negative it gets eyeballs. Oh yeah. Internet, the more negative it gets eyeballs. And so what we begin to get is instead of the 5 million wonderful, good, kind acts that happen, we hear about those five and, and we know about all the bad things that happen, not just in our little town, like a hundred years ago, but across the whole globe. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that really changes um, how our minds work. And, and what I would say to people in a practical way, really limit social media, be very selective about what you put in your mind. And, and I can tell you in terms of anxiety, um, memorizing scripture and meditating on it slowly, taking some walks, getting some good exercise, Uh, There's amazing things that happen when you get outside, (laughs) when you get sweaty, uh, (laughs) when you get out in nature, and then, you know, wear a mask, do whatever you need to do, but we have to get around one another. 
uh, anxiety grows. Have you ever noticed that at like 1.50 or 2 a.m., anxiety is like 10 times worse, right? You're all alone, so, yeah. Yeah, when we're all alone and when it's dark. And, and let's not forget we're in a spiritual war. The enemy uses anxiety to get us not to trust God, to live in fear, and then make really unwise decisions. And, and so we're in a real, a real battle. And uh, I'm really glad, Braxton, you're talking about this and helping people, you know, really think through. Um, in other words, I, how, to, how to stop stress before it starts is it's really about what you let in your mind. Uh, my background in undergraduate and graduate work before seminary was psychology. And uh, I came across a study by the University of Tennessee. And uh, they did, a, you know, had a control group and then they had a, uh, you know, the variable group. And it was like a 10-year study. And every morning, the variable group would hear just five minutes of negative news, just audio, no video, just five minutes of negative news. Mm -hmm. And the control group just listened to various things, but they were just listening to the radio for five minutes. Uh, after that, they tested the groups, and the groups that heard only five minutes of negative news daily for 10 years thought the world was an unsafe place, were less likely to help people, and were much more anxious than the other group. Wow. Now, multiply, forget, I mean, that's just five minutes <laughs> yeah. of listening to something. Yeah. Multiply that by the average household, 65 and older, is four hours of TV. Actually, screen time yeah. of, uh, on average, most Americans is counting all their screens is about 6.5 to 7 hours a day. Mm. You cannot feed your mind um, a steady diet of things that produce anxiety and not be anxious. Yeah, that's the old adage, uh, garbage in, garbage out, right? Well said. It's ex that's exactly right. And, uh, and it takes tremendous discipline because, because what we have learned from the research is that, you know, when you get on that Instagram or Facebook and you get likes, the, the endorphins actually go off in your brain. And so pretty soon, I mean, the research is in on our brains are being rewired. Our children's brains are being rewired and our attention span is shrinking every year because we're now expecting and demanding uh, some dopamine to go off in our brain every few seconds. And, and that's a steady diet of um, taking in media in a way that long-term is not good for your brain, your health or your relationship with God, let alone anybody else. Chip, uh, if you encountered someone that was really dealing with stress um, and anxiety because of all the things happening in our world, uh, and, and, and they know that they deal with these things, they want to improve, they want to get rid of the stress and put more of the Lord's Word in their heart, but there's just so many different things they have to tackle at once, it's just overwhelming. What would you say to them? What's the first thing they ought to do? Uh, one is I'd sit down, um, only because I really love a good cup of coffee, and I'd get to know what's going on in their life and their heart. And then if they just said, "Okay, Chip, if you if you were gonna if you were my coach, my spiritual coach, and you were giving me a game plan, what how can I at least attack this?" First of all, if it was really off the charts and there's physiological issues, I would want to make sure that's not it's not physical and. I mean, there are clinical issues, and I want to make sure that we don't just say, hey, read and pray. 
when uh, people might be clinically depressed and really need to see a medical doctor and a Christian counselor, et cetera. But with sort of general anxiety for all of us, I would say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set your alarm 20 minutes early and no matter what, when you wake up, do not look at your phone. Um, do not put it on the TV. I want you to meet with God. And I want you to go to Philippians chapter four. And for the next week, all I want you to do is read the first you know, nine verses slowly and little by little memorize verses six uh, through nine. And, and just let that in whatever version you want to talk out loud to God. Second thing is no matter what happens today, I want you to get a good workout. I want you need to get sweaty. That'll kick endorphins in and that'll help them. And also, if it's only 15 minutes, but meet with God, do something physical. And then no matter what your work schedule, I want you to have one good talk with someone you really trust. And all I want you to do is ask two or three simple questions. Uh, how are you feeling today? Where is God speaking to you? And how could I help you? And, and all those three things do is they set your mind and your focus on the Lord. And as a man or woman thinks, so is he, or so we become. Second, you're, it's amazing what happens when we get some vigorous exercise in terms of what it does for our body and what it does for our mindset and just the sense of accomplishment. Um, and then the third thing is, if you get connected to other individuals where you can honestly share what's going on. And the last question is, you know, What's going on in their life? Angst happens with a sense of helplessness. We have to be a part of the solution. It's an amazing thing that when you're anxious or hurting, if you look for someone else that is really struggling and you serve and help them, mm -hmm. I don't understand it all, but it's that sort of spiritual law of give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over back into your lap. Um, I'll close with a story that's been helpful. Carl Menninger, the Menninger Clinic, great psychiatrist, psychologist, and this story was told of a man who was clinically depressed, and they tried everything, the most drastic treatments. They, he couldn't break out of it, and I thought he was probably you know, going to go completely under. And finally, Dr. Menninger came in and to his hospital room, and they tried everything, and he said, you know, um, we really can't, can't help you, but I'd just like you to do that. I'm writing a prescription. And here's what I want you to do. Uh, I, I don't care if you feel like doing it or not. And here's the names of other people that are either clinically depressed or they're dying of cancer. And I'd like you to just go there, ask them how they're doing and give them a word of encouragement. And for a week, what he was to do is to go around to these people that were hurting. And after a week, he broke out of his depression. Wow. There's something about getting our focus off ourselves. Yeah. Chip, you may have a future in uh, doing YouTube workout videos with all this sweating you're talking about. <laughs> you might have something there. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, so, so, so we can be really honest rather than be theoretical. Um, you know, I've really worked extra during this time. We've created a lot of new videos and, and like some people's world has really stopped. Ours has been more demanding and, and somehow, I mean, we've been in this a lot of months now and, you know, I'm in a part of California where, I mean, it's a hot spot early on. Half of all the cases were in our county. We've been locked down longer and more aggressively than almost any place except New York City. And, um, you know, I have a, an office that I can come to and I can, you know, shoot some videos and things. But after months and months and months and months, and this was about, um, this was about three, three weeks ago, 
And I, I realized it was very, very gradual, but my motivation was down and I felt really flat. And then I would start, then I'd have every, every other day, like in the middle of the afternoon, like a couple hours of severe depression. I, I mean, when I looked at the dashboard, I have a wife who loves me. I'm doing what God's called me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for my family. I mean, you know, unlike other people, I still have a job. There's nothing in the world that I could say is externally so bad, despite all this happening in our country. Mm. And yet I was having, I mean, feelings of, I don't even know why I'm here. Mm. I mean, what's the use? I, I mean, those scary, I mean, real dips of depression. And, and you know, of, of course, I think spiritual warfare is a part of that. But what I realized was somehow... I got thinking that this isolation is impacting everybody else except me. I mean, I'm not, I've not had deep conversations. I, I, before this, I traveled a third of the time, China, the Middle East. I was deeply engaged. There was, there was risk. There was adventure. There was a calling. And, and I mean, it has been, I, I can't remember sleeping in the same bed and being in the same time zone for six months in the last 20 years. Wow. And, and what I realized was, you know what, I, my mental health is not good. And I had a really, you know, candid talk and, you know, you hate to admit those kind of things. And I didn't say anything. Finally, you know, I sat down with Teresa. I said, you know, I, I don't think I'm doing well. And then I, with our team, we have an executive team and I'm, I'm really tight with, with them. And I thought, you know, I said, Hey guys, I'm, I really need you to pray. And part of the reason we don't do this is it was, quote, it's embarrassing, like we shouldn't have these problems. So I want to right, say that to some right. people that are listening. Hey, you know, you're, you're as human as everyone else. And, and part of what that little game plan that I gave everyone, um, literally two weeks ago, uh, I listened to a book on how habits are formed. And I just realized, okay, you know, um, I'm not as disciplined as I had been. My motivation's gone. I'm getting depressed. And I, I mean, I just went into, bam, I'm, I'm not going to miss a day working out. Uh, I'm going to get outside every single day. I'm going to call someone, text someone, encourage someone. So I've, I've been kind of on the march here of saying, I'm going to fight this. And, and I think it, it is a real challenge. And I've, you know, like most people, I found myself watching a little bit too much news. And then, gosh, there's nothing to do and I can't see anyone. So I'm not watching anything bad, but more TV than normal. Or, sure. And all of a sudden, I just realized suddenly, slowly, mm-hmm. slowly, slowly, um, that my mind was being impacted, and therefore my heart and my life. And um, so I kind of declared war on that. And, and so everything from my time with God to what I journal, uh, to workouts, to being a part of helping someone else, this isn't theory for me. I, I'm I'm putting it into practice yeah. now because I have struggled with the very thing we're talking about. Thanks so much for sharing that, Chip. That really means a lot. And, you know, I think people can resonate, connect with that um, because, like you said, we're all human. We all deal with the same stuff just because, you know, you're a part of living on the edge and you're a pastor. It doesn't mean you don't deal with stuff. And, <laughs> right. you know, and, and, and that just... To me, it just resonates with me, um, just just hearing from you stuff like that. So I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, and, and also, if you're listening and you want to hear more from Chip, uh, you can always get online to his website. It's livingontheedge.org. And 
and he's got a new book coming out uh, next month. It's called Discover Your True Self, How to Silence the Lies of Your Past and Actually Experience Who God Says You Are. In fact, Chip, there's a chapter on angst, and I think that the book comes out August 18th. Am I right? Yep. Talk yeah, about, I'm, I'm yeah. excited about it. it it's the, the book is rooted in um, an exposition of Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3 that basically say this is who you are. And it's a lot of kind of deep theological words, you know, chosen, redeemed, inheritance, sealed with the Spirit, um, you know. And, and I think sometimes we, we hear those things and they're deep truths. And I don't know about you, but I, I can still remember, you know, reading this passage. It says, I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ and going, huh, wow, that's great. I wonder what that means, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and part of so what I realized was, you know, sometimes we have the answers, but we don't know how to connect them. And so, you know, you, you can debate about uh, being adopted or chosen or what all that means. But here's what here's when it was written. Here's what it meant. You're wanted by God. The fact that you're redeemed means, that, gosh, you must be very, very valuable. Uh, the fact that you're sealed with the spirit means you're secure. Um, and, you know, and toward toward the end, you know, when he talks about um this plan and purpose that you are his craftsmanship, his poem, his masterpiece, his work of art. And he has this amazing purpose. What you realize is the opposite of that is hopelessness, purposelessness, anxiety, and angst. Um, I, I, I tend to read a lot, and there was a, actually a secular article that I read recently that talked about teen suicide and, and they did a bunch of research and they said, you know, we thought it was, you know, from must be socioeconomic, only poor people do it. That wasn't it. Uh, it must, maybe it has to do with, um, you know, racial backgrounds. No, that wasn't it. And so they socioeconomic, they looked at everything. And this is a secular article basically said, what we see happening is a sense of hopelessness and meaninglessness and purposelessness because of a lack of religion. That was their word, secular article. Wow. And no God, so there's no infinite reference point. In other words, if there's not a way to look at life, and if there's not a calling, then a purpose, then you're going to have angst. I, I mean, you know, I, I see how some people are responding, and as I was sharing with a friend, I said, why would we be surprised? You know what we forget as Christians, especially if you walk with the Lord for a while? I mean, I'm, I'm not oblivious, but I'm not afraid. I mean, I'm really not afraid. I'm not afraid of getting the virus. Um, I mean, the very worst, and I don't mean this tritely, I mean this as a statement of faith. The very worst thing that can happen to me personally, I suppose, is I get the virus and I die and I'm immediately transported into the presence of Christ. Mm-hmm. Who's prepared a place for me? Yeah, I, I mean, historically, the the reason that Christians have ministered during these kind of crises have been on the front lines is we know that there's more to life than now. That doesn't mean that we're cavalier. It doesn't mean that we don't have concerns. I'm certainly not looking to get to heaven any sooner than you know the Lord wants me. <laughs> but you know, if you don't have that, if you don't have a sense that you have a purpose here in life that God ordained from the foundations of the earth that only you can do, that he's gifted you, that even the difficult of your past, your background, your passions, your family of origin, 
He's orchestrated all of that to make a package that's you, that can help people in ways like no one else in the world. I mean, that calling is the antidote to angst. But if you're just floating through life going, wow, looks like the country's falling apart, looks like the world's falling apart, looks like there's all this debt. I mean, this American dream, this, this positive future, it doesn't look like it's coming my way. Why wouldn't people be not just anxious, but have deep angst and, and look for any solution? So I think this is a time where we as believers um, really need to step in and, and serve and love people. Uh, you know, people ask me for some profound answers to some things happening in our country. And boy, there's a lot of complex issues, but mm. here's what I know for sure. For me personally, for you, for every believer, I can be in God's will today if I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind. And then the second part we sort of miss. The second thing is today, I need to love my neighbor as myself. And my neighbor, according to Jesus, Good Samaritan story, is anyone that has need, especially in my proximity. And, and if we will just do that, and I don't care what political party, I don't care what they believe, I don't care what color they are, love your neighbor. Acts of kindness, generosity, and engagement. And, and it says, love your neighbor. And the reason I wrote this book is as yourself. A lot of people really don't even like themselves. And, and when you see yourself the way God sees you, you can't give away what you don't have. Wow. But Paul wrote that to say to these people, every spiritual blessing, if you could just grasp that you're wanted, you're valuable, you're secure, you're beautiful, you're my workmanship, I'm, I'm for you, I'm with you. When you get that from your head to your heart, Braxton, something happens that frees you to get off yourself and to, to pass on to others the love that you receive. Yeah. And uh, so that's what this book is all about is, is a practical way to help people actually experience that, not just know about it. It's called Discover Your Truth Self, coming out August the 18th. He's Chip Ingram. Hey, Chip, I think I can say this for all the listeners. Thank you so much for taking some time today and kind of talking through some of these things about what really does the, the, the Bible say about stress and anxiety? I think we've, we've discovered a lot of things here that uh, people can really learn from and, and, and start uh, doing in their life to, to overcome some of those things. I appreciate your time, Chip. You're the best. My privilege. Great to be with you. And Father, we both ask right now for every single person listening that you would encourage them, that you would give them a high and clear view of you, that they would feel your love today, and that you would deliver them from the anxiety and the fear and the stress they're experiencing in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's Community Spotlight, covering issues that matter to you in your community. If you have a suggestion for a future program, just call 800-330-9648. That's 800-330-9648. Be sure to join us next week for another Community Spotlight with Braxton on The Light FM.